welcome back to this episode in the second series of the Therapeutic Parenting Podcast from COECT, the Centre of Excellence in Child Trauma. This podcast provides people living and working with child trauma with effective coping strategies. I'm Serena Gay, your host, and today I'm delighted to be talking to Sarah Dillon again. On this episode, Sarah is going to explain why the children we parent abscond or run away and what we can do to handle such situations. Sarah is the COECT's therapeutic lead and she's a child and adult therapist helping people with attachment difficulties and complex and developmental trauma. She's also an author and international keynote speaker on adoption and fostering. Welcome back again, Sarah. Thank you. Hi, Serena. So now I suppose I could start off by saying that children running away from home is is sort of a comedy trope, isn't it? People Mm. often joke about kids packing a tiny bag and setting Mm. off down the road when they're in a huff with their parents, only to return 20 minutes later when it's time for tea. But with with traumatised children, absconding and running away needs to be understood through a different prism. Yes. yeah. So can can you start by explaining, perhaps by presenting a scenario of how and why a child might resort to this action? I always think that we should think about absconding in many ways through the lens again of a toddler. Mm. Because, you know, I, I was with my granddaughter at the a recent recently at, at a, a supermarket and of course she runs off into the car park and I, I scream at her to come back because I don't want her to come to any harm. Yeah. You know, so I wouldn't call that absconding or running off. That's just a toddler who, you know, doesn't see danger or risk and and will just act on impulse. So there's an element of that, particularly, you know, if a lot of their early life needs haven't been met. So that's something for us to think about. But also there's, I feel that it's such a big topic because there's running away because of fear, for example, of getting into trouble or a parent has said you can't do something or because you've been pushed into your fight, flight, freeze response and you've gone into flight and therefore, you know, your legs are off before your brain is even engaged. Uh, but there's also, which is what I work with quite a bit, are teenagers in particular who, you know, will abscond, who will go missing, who will run away and not come back 20 minutes later. So it's a very big topic. Are we talking about mainly teenagers where this occurs or or can children of any age group like run away with the serious intention of staying away? I find that much younger children often don't have a serious intention of staying away and it's often easier to to bring them home. But there are some teens who in the moment, they're not even thinking about a serious intention of staying away, a lot of them, because that really does require quite a lot of planning. A lot of it is more about just getting away. And I've had children say to me, I just couldn't cope with being there. I couldn't cope with getting into trouble. I felt that they wouldn't listen to me. And so some of it is about running away from themselves, which is exactly what a child said to me. Eventually, when we got to the bottom of what was going on. So it can affect a child of any age. You know, many children will run away. I still remember running out of school a lot of the time, even in primary school. In those days, you could run out and running back home, you know, because I was desperate to see if my mum was okay. And 
sadly, on a number of occasions, she wasn't or running away because another child has been horrible to me or running away so that I didn't hit somebody. So it's just a way of escaping a situation, escaping how you feel. We have to understand that it's fear-based. And I know it's scary, but a lot of the time, you know, they really do return if we don't make an enormous deal out of it. I don't want to say the wrong thing there because I'm not saying it isn't serious, but our children um, will sometimes escalate a certain behaviour when they know that it is pushing our buttons because they need to be in control. And sadly, absconding, running away, it can be one of them. But I think there's a big difference between running away, staying away and going missing. One of the problems that can occur is particularly for parents who, you know, really do get this stuff. They recognise that maybe their teen is emotionally, developmentally not quite ready to do the things that that their peers of the same age may be doing. Maybe there are restrictions in place for that child that up until they reach puberty worked very well. But now we've got to kind of revisit this. And I believe it's not about free reign that they can't cope with, but it's about a bit more space to do some of the things that are going to make them less likely to want to run away. Also, in the teens, any unprocessed trauma will surface. There's a lot of uh, brain activity that happens in the teens and lots of pruning that happens in the teen brain. So any unprocessed trauma will surface. What I mean by unprocessed trauma, I mean trauma that has not yet been addressed or addressed effectively. So it's very, very surface. And the child needs to have mastery of that trauma. They need to make sense of it. They need to understand it. And the way that I describe it is you've got to go back and touch the fire to see if it still burns. So they may start to mix with people that you would rather they didn't. They may get involved in in crowds of, of people who you would rather they stayed away from. For example, there's lots of evidence of our children being vulnerable to grooming or you know, county lines activity, or they haven't got the same internal inhibitors or personal boundaries. And because they are desperate to feel good, they may be an easy target for people who don't mean them well. They might get back in touch with birth family if they aren't, you know, adopted or fostered. They want to make sense of what happened to them and so on and so forth. Or they might access things on the internet or access people on the internet who are uh, unsavoury or try and make sense of traumatic incidents that they've been through by looking it up on the internet and then going outside, running off to try and seek out those kind of people to make sense of things. This is really important for us to understand. So it happens a lot with children from trauma. And many parents start to blame themselves. They feel like a failure because they think, but my child, you know, all these years I've managed, we've what I call bumbled along and and been able to cope with many of the tricky behaviours. And now they've reached the teens. My goodness, it's like 
I don't know, a firework has gone off and I can't, I can't control my child. I don't know what's happening anymore. I've lost them. And often they will go into self-blame and guilt or they will catastrophize. The worst thing ever is going to happen to my child. There will be lots of arguments and, and which will cause the child to run away more because they feel so much shame. You know, lots of questions and lectures when the child gets home, which is of no use whatsoever. And I do. Again, I speak from experience as a child who would run away a lot. So what action then can a parent take to try and avoid the situation happening in the first place? Mm. So I really feel that, you know, the earlier you begin to make sense of what's happened to a child or help them to make sense of it, you will save yourself a lot of problems, particularly in adolescence. If we just go back for a moment to any age child running away, uh, remember to think toddler. Don't chase them because if you're frightened of adults and someone's chasing, and you know, you're being chased by an adult, that's very, very scary. And some of our children love the chase. You know, there's a reward. There's a, a visceral reward. There's an adrenaline rush from being chased. I can still remember being chased by a police officer across Streatham Common when I was about 15, hiding behind a big tree and just watching his his blue policeman's hat bob up and down on top of his head, you know, and I was just laughing my socks off. So, you know, those are the sort of things we've got to avoid. If your child is trying to jump over a fence, you know, don't hang on to their leg. You're just going to escalate the problem. You could involve a friend or, or a supporter that might kind of know where the child will probably be and go and accidentally meet them along the way. Again, as with all the strategies, it's about maintaining the constancy of the relationship, making sure that we don't create a rupture in our relationship with the child, that it is intact throughout, which is a very big ask because it's frightening for our parents. But most of our children know what side their bread's buttered and they will eventually come home. Um, so I use an analogy of a cliff and the, imagine that the, you know, the family live on top of the cliff. That's the, where they live. And I'm sure many parents can identify with living on the cliff edge. And so you're, you're up there. That's where you, you and your family live. And then you have your teenager who wants to jump off the cliff and go down into the valley and spend time with people and doing things that you know could cause significant harm or they just don't want to tell you what they're doing. So, you know, they jump off the cliff and they go down into the valley and you're trying to hold on to them with a rope. And unfortunately, you are cutting your own hand while trying to hold this rope or you're pulling yourself off the cliff with the child. So what I say is, let them use a bungee jump. Ah. So they'll go down there and they'll come back up. What will help them to come back up? They need to know when they come back home that there is no shame. We will use natural and logical consequences, which I'll explain in a moment, but we're not going to shame the child. We need them to know that the relationship is intact throughout. I'm well aware of the fact they've done something wrong or they've not followed instructions and they've gone against what you've said they could do and they've defied you. I understand all of that. But, you know, sometimes we've got to speculate to accumulate. So the purpose of this approach is because eventually we want the children to be at home. Because what are our children looking for down in the valley? Belonging, acceptance, 
somewhere where they're fitting in, you know, somebody who makes them feel good about themselves. Uh, and maybe they're looking for, you know, things that they can self-medicate with. Whatever it might be, they're looking for things to meet their unmet needs from when they were younger. So if we can make sure that those things are at home, then we're going to reduce the likelihood of them continuing to go down in the valley to get them. So how do we do that? Well, first and foremost, if your child has a mobile phone, don't keep ringing them. Send them a text. Let them know, you know, you, you know they're struggling. You know it's very hard. It's been a bit upsetting this evening or whatever it might be. But you still care about them. You still love them. And um, you'll hope they're okay. And you look forward to seeing them soon. I know that's hard, but that's what we have to do. Because we want them to know they can come home. That That the relationship doesn't have to be over particularly with foster children, we want them to know you can come home. It doesn't mean you have to move. So further to that, when they get home, they need to know that when they come in, that you have kept the house running. The top of the cliff is exactly as it was when they left. So if you've had to phone authorities and you know inform people and and get the help that's necessary or report the child as missing or something along those lines, then the child doesn't need to be privy to all of that in that moment. They really don't because it's just going to escalate the situation. So you will do all of that and then encourage the child that you, you know, you're thinking about them, looking forward to them coming home, their dinner will be ready. And when they come home, feed them. I've made you a cup of tea and here's a slice of toast because it's an act of nurture and it tells the child the relationship is still intact and then leave it until tomorrow preferably unless the child wants to talk to you the best thing to do is not to have a long drawn out conversation of the whys and wherefores of where the child went and why they did what they did that can happen tomorrow but it's going to be more about do you know I, I do wonder what you did yesterday I was thinking about you I hope you were okay so it's more inquisitive than you know demanding the child tells us what they've been doing and also, my foster mum would use a, a logical consequence. So if I knocked the door late and I'd been running off or whatever, which I loved, I still love absconding, to be truthful. But, do you? you know, <laughs> oh, really, it's great fun. But That's what you go off and do when you abscond. No, I go to the garden centre where there's no phone access and eat chocolate cake and then the kids oh, can get hold of me. excellent. But, yeah, so my foster mum would open the door yawning, Oh, you know, oh, I'm so glad you're home. You know, I'm so pleased you're here, sweetie, and, and all that stuff. But the next day, you know, it would be, do you know, I'm ever so tired today. I was up so late, you know, last night. I really was worried about you, darling, that kind of stuff. So unfortunately, I think I'm too tired to drive, sadly. You might have to get the bus today, you know, or I didn't get the jobs done last night because, you know, I was quite concerned about you. So I've got to get those jobs done now. So sadly, there's less time for this today. So the consequence, if you like, was as a result of a choice I'd made. But in the end, what actually happened to me, I stopped doing it, was because I realised that what I was looking for outside was at home. And I was able to access my relationship with my foster mum when I first really believed that I belonged there, that I was wanted. And, and I'm I'm not painting her as a saint here, although she was my saint. I mean, there were times when she would lose her temper over it. But in the main, 
she knew that the best way to deal with this was to not give me a reaction. So use a bungee jump. Allow your children to be able to come back up. It's not about getting away with it. It's about understanding why it come, where it comes from through the lens of trauma. The way to understand today is through the lens of yesterday. And what about naming the need after, you know, the child has returned? How do you yes. set about that? I usually would uh, advise parents to wait until the next day where possible. If they're a young child, then you perhaps wouldn't need to do that. But I would be putting some words to it, to the situation for the child, linking the child's behaviour to their history. So I might say, do you know, I think that you've got some big feelings in your tummy at times and they get really scary. And I think the fact that you've got a new teacher today made you a bit wobbly because there might have been times in your life when new adults were a bit scary. And I think that's why you ran away, for example. Or we might say to a child, I've noticed that you've been going off quite a lot lately. And I think that you've been mixing with X, Y and Z. And I think that's because a part of you still seeking a place to belong. Because although we're your family, there's still a part of you that's really struggling with what happened to you when you were little. And you're still trying to make sense of that. That's the way that we would work with the child. So I believe, I call it the gift of why, because we're helping a child to understand themselves, which then in turn dilutes the negative internal working model of the child, i.e., the way they feel about themselves on the inside, because they start to realize it's not me, it's what's happened to me. And it's not you, it's what I've been through. The more we work to help our children understand why they're doing this, and we keep the relationship intact throughout, we don't give them that big rise, we use natural and logical consequences, we can turn this problem around quite easily. Brilliant. So where can parents find more information about this? I'm thinking of, of books perhaps that, that, that the NATP makes available to people. Mm. So there's definitely help for this in the Sarah Nash's book, The A to Z of Therapeutic Parenting. I think you'll also find Therapeutic Parenting Essentials, Moving from Trauma to Trust, quite useful. And also our book that we released last year, The Quick Guide to Therapeutic Parenting. And also on our NATP, National Association of Therapeutic Parents website, there are lots of downloadable resources that can help you to make sense of why our children do the things they do. And of course, one of them is absconding. And of course, the, the listening circles will be a very useful place for parents to be able to not only discuss these situations with other parents, but also seek solutions. Without a doubt, that's extremely helpful. And also to be with other parents who get it, because there's a big difference between a neurotypical teenager, a teenager who hasn't experienced trauma, you know, running off with their friends and having a row with the parents and, you know, not listening and doing what they're told to a child from trauma. You know, I always say it's like comparing a Tonka truck to a, a Tonka truck toy to an articulated lorry. There is no comparison. <laughs> Brilliant. Very, I, I like the analogy. So, well, thank you, Sarah, for talking us through this complex problem, which I'm sure, you know, really worries a lot of parents. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. 
There will be links, of course, in the show notes to the books that we've just mentioned and also on the COECT website podcast page. And you can find out more about therapeutic parenting techniques and access help on our website through www.coect.co.uk. And if you'd like to receive this podcast every week, just press the follow button. You'll find it on the Apple or Spotify podcast apps or wherever you access the Therapeutic Parenting Podcast. And as ever, please rate, review and follow us. If you do that, it'll help other people find us and benefit from all our helpful advice. Bye for now. Bye.